Okay, here's what we're going to do. So, of course, we just experienced what our governor said is an unprecedented winter storm uh, in Texas history. Uh, another unprecedented, right? Uh, well, why not? I mean, why not? Seriously. I think my mindset today is possibly what your mindset is now is that I think this way. Okay, no matter what happens, uh, what's yet to happen, uh, we, what am I going to do? What's my, what's my call? What, what are we supposed to do? What's the purpose? And the purpose is this, that we simply do the next loving thing. We simply do the next thing. So no matter what strikes us and no matter what is next for this year for us, what do we do? The next thing. The next thing God has us to do. Um, so on Monday night, the Hattons experienced uh, an unprecedented event. Uh, we were watching a movie. It was probably around 730 um, we're watching this movie. We're watching King Arthur, I believe. Yes, we were watching King Arthur, uh, an old movie, I think, early 2000s, mid-2000s, something like that. And in the middle of the movie, I went, shh, 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 quiet. And then I went to the kitchen wall and put my ear up against the kitchen wall. And, I, and the best way to describe it is like a train. I heard this, shh. And so, in my mind, um, we've had some issues with a, a shower that sometimes can go outside and leak and hit the toilet and run down and hit this light right above the kitchen. So I ran up the stairs and I'm yelling, turn the shower off, turn the shower off, hey, stop the shower, knocking on the door, stop the shower, and, and uh, all of a sudden every kid opens their bedroom door and looks at me like I'm crazy because I probably was. And uh, they're like, Dad, no one's in the shower. I open up the shower, and nobody's there. And it's, I can't, the best way to explain it, it's like when you had your mind fixed on what something could be, and it wasn't, I had this, like, brain freeze. I was like, wait, uh, what's happening? And then I hear Nancy downstairs uh, holler, honey. And I come running down the stairs, and it was like, it was like the heavens had opened up. And water was just pouring out of the light fixtures above us and out of the vents above us. And it was unbelievable. And so I did what I always do in these kind of situations. Uh, I called Dean Mitchell, my dear friend down the street, and I quickly got on the phone. And all I said to him was, Dean, I need you now. <laughs> the sky is literally falling with water. Uh, then I hung up, and he raced up there, and uh, I saw him come pulling up in his truck, and he's coming out, so I open the door, and I go out the door, and next thing I know, I'm flying through the air about five feet and land flat on my back, because the ice, I forgot about the ice that was on the stairs of the front porch, and just literally, probably went about five feet, landed flat on my back, and I was like, okay, is anything broken? Good. Got up. We met. Uh, at, the, uh, at the front of the yard trying to find the water meter. He had one of those things. We're kicking it. We find it. We couldn't get it open. We, the ice had frozen it, of course, because what is it? It's like five degrees, seven degrees out there right now. Um, we break the ice on it, open it up, turn it off, and I look back, and Landon uh, is standing next to me, and we're all looking back at the house and yelling back, is the water off? Is the water off? And we get this, no, it's not off. And then about this time, the garage door to our next door neighbors comes up. <laughs> and they come out, and it was like, I looked at them, and I was like, 
did your water go up? And uh, they were like, yes, sorry. And so then we, we had to find <laughs> our meter. And it was, what was it, five inches of snow, six inches of snow? So we're just on the ground kicking and trying to find our meter. We finally find our meter. We finally turn the thing off, go back in. And there's probably about four to six inches of water on the downstairs. And that's where we began um, with staggered folks with brooms uh, pushing water out the front door of the house that was all over the bottom. Um, and then the Calvary came. I mean, the Hawthorns came. Uh, their two sons, uh, a neighbor, Scott Larson, came. And we just had this, we had this machine going of pushing and toweling and just pushing the water front out the front door uh, and finally, finally got it done. Um, and then the next day, Andy Jones and his Target Restoration, they came here soon, got the fans going. The fans are still going. I think everybody in the house is going crazy with the fans, but uh, it's understandable. Uh, but here's the deal. Uh, Redeemer friends uh, helping each other and helping their neighbor was something that was happening on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday this week. And if I'm honest, I am literally in awe of how friends have been helping friends, how friends have been looking after friends, how everybody has checked in on each other. I know that you've been checking in on people. I know you've been praying for people. I know that uh, you have listened to others. I know that you've literally sat in the water, in the ashes with others. I know that uh, many of you have four-wheel drive heroes have taken uh, firewood and have taken water and food to people in need. You've taken, picked up medical supplies for people that couldn't get out on the roads. You only had a four-wheel drive to do that. I know of doctors that uh, met with people that were in need in a medical, they needed to be seen by a doctor and did this outside office hours, outside official office visits, all in our church. I knew all this was going on at multiple levels. I know many of you were out fixing pipes and other houses and helping sweep out water. I know many of you were going on roofs and cracking ice off roofs that was leaking into houses. And this was all going on. And I know, I only know about 1% of it. I only know about 1% of what, how friends were helping friends and neighbors, practically uh, serving and helping. Um, and I'm in awe of it. Uh, and so I've asked myself and I've wondered, and we've all asked ourselves, over the unprecedented two years we've experienced, um, an unprecedented winter storm, everyone wants to know where God is in these situations. Everybody wants to know, is where is he at work? How is he helping us? Where is he? And the answer is always uh, in his people, in his church, that he is actually loving and active and at work through his church into the world, loving each other, taking care of friends, taking care of loved ones, taking care of our neighbors, um, helping each other and helping our neighbor, right? So what do you do in the chaos? What do you do? We've had unprecedented ones these past two years. We just had another major one, and I'm, I'm not sure we're done with them. So what do you do? The answer is you simply do the next loving thing. The next loving thing. That's what we do. That's what we do. Um, also, by the way, does anybody want a boxer? 
Um, I think I'm about done with our boxer. He turned into a little princess uh, over these past five days. Uh, what do I mean by that? I let him out to go to the bathroom, and I thought he was going out to the bathroom, but he was faking it and waiting until we were all asleep because he didn't, it was too cold for him to go outside. And so he would only go at nights on the inside in our house. And so uh, for, the, for the sake of his well-being, would any of you like to have a boxer? All right, here's what we're going to do. Due to recent events, um, I feel like, again, it's just me. Uh, it's TJ. Uh, it's kind of weird. It's like we're back at the beginning of COVID where we were doing these live tapes. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to put a delay, just a week delay, on finishing up Joseph uh, because everything's delayed, right? All schools, businesses, everything's delayed. So we're going to delay for a little bit. And uh, we'll pick that up next week. Today we're going to look at the sound of God. Uh, we're going to look at a text in Elijah, and this is the question we're going to answer. We're going to ask, what sound does God make when he's on the move? Um, how would you know that God is at work? How would you know that God is present? How would you know that God shows up in your life, in your relationships? How do you know when he shows up in a church? How do you know this is a revival, this is an awakening? How do you know when he shows up in a revival or awakening? How do you know when he shows up with passionate activism. How do you know when God shows up, when he's at work, when he's at present in your cause, in your ideology, uh, in a community, in a church, in a ministry, in a movement? How do you know this? That's, that's our question for this text. So we're going to read from 1 Kings uh, chapter 19. We're going to look at verses 9 through 13a. Um, if you would like to, as our tradition, you can at home, but you don't have to. You can stand for the hearing of God's word. Here we go. Uh, there he, uh, Elijah, came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, remember in the original language, behold means pay attention. Watch this. The word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, the word of the Lord, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, I have been very zealous for the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, throw down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life too, to take it away. And he said, go out, God said, the voice, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord, and behold, pay attention, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a, a low whisper, the literal translation is the sound of sheer silence. And when Elijah heard it, don't miss this. He's hearing the sound of sheer silence, absolute silence, complete, total silence. And it makes a sound. And he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. All right, let's pray for the shining on the page, as we say and the Puritans used to say. Oh, Lord, we ask that you would shine on the page, and we ask that even now, uh, you would cause me, you would cause all of us to experience you with your 
your word and to experience you in and through your word. And would you, would you give and grant the reality of where you show up and how we know you're on the move and how we know that you're at work in certain places. It's like, well, where are you? Where do we go, Lord? Where do we go to find you? Where do we go to know that you break in? Where do we go to know and how do we know in movements and causes and ideologies and churches, how do we know you're there? How do we know you're actively and powerfully at work? It gets so confusing at times. So many voices claim a work of God. So many places claim God is here. How do we know, Lord? How do we know? We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so what sound does God make when he's on the move? What is the sound of God? He's present. He's at work in your life. He's changing your relationships. He's moving in systems, in institutions, in places. He's at work in a church. He's present in a movement. He's validating and confirming an activism. How would you know? How do we know? Well, the backstory in Elijah is that he's struggling with this very thing. The backstory of Elijah is he's struggling with the sound of God. He thought God was on the move. He thought God was present. He thought God was at work in his zeal and in his faithfulness. I mean, he literally says this in verse 10. He tells God, look, I've been zealous. <laughs> I've been faithful. So what happened? Where are you, God? I have been obedient. I've been reading my Bible. I've been praying. I've been resisting this sin. I've been developing community. I've been promoting and loving my neighbor and serving others. I've been doing what you want me to do. I have been zealous. I have been passionate. I have been sincere. I have been faithful. But there's such little results. I expected so much more, God. Elijah, the, the greatest prophet who ever walked on this earth, is talking to God like this. He also thought that God was on the move or was showing up in big gatherings of people and big, and big movements and big numbers and lots of momentum and lots of excitement and lots of things happening, right? I mean, we're... He's telling God, listen, everybody was there. Just a chapter earlier, all of Israel was at the church service. All of Israel was here. Everyone was here. The whole world was at this place. There was excitement. There was passion. There was movement. There was momentum. Things were happening. There was success. It was a revival, he's saying. I mean, the text was recording it. All of Israel was watching one of the most uh, dynamic, powerful demonstrations of God and other gods in the Bible. But he ends this saying, but now I'm the only one left. At the end of his ministry, he's saying, I'm it. Uh, basically, he's saying, when I entered the ministry, God, I thought that there was going to be um, lots 
of demonstrations of you using me. I thought Israel was going to turn back to you. I thought the leaders were going to turn back to you. I thought there would be so much more fruit. There would be so much more dynamic expressions of you at work and things happening. Uh, And now I could write a book on how to shrink a ministry. I started with the whole nation on a mountain. One day later, it's only me left. Elijah thought God was on the move and showing up or was at work in big demonstrations of power. He thought big ministry success. He thought that big confrontations with the powers of unbelief and the powers of sin and the powers of evil and the power of injustice. He's saying, listen, I've confronted Israel's unbelief. I've had a major confrontation with challenging the prophets of Baal, challenging the views and the belief systems of the world, confronting on Twitter and confronting on social media just the way that people are believing and thinking and interpreting reality. He says, I've been doing that. I did that. I confronted these prophets, 450 of them, in one shot. And he's thinking, I even saw fire fall from the sky to validate that I was right. But Jezebel didn't change. The leaders of Israel didn't change. The world didn't change. So we find Elijah, he's just kind of tired of it all. He's kind of done with life and he's done with ministry. He says, it's enough now, O Lord. Take away my life for I'm no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. Today we call what's happening to Elijah burnout. Uh, Mental health experts would call this severe depression. Chronic, maybe, situational, maybe, but deep depression. So the question is, what does the sound of God make? How do we know God's at work? How do we know God's on the move uh, in your life, in your relationships, at your home, in a community, in a church, in ministries and causes and movements and momentums and excitements? How do you know God is present? How do you know he's making things happen? How do you know that what you're doing has the wind of God in it? What is the sound of God? How do you know he's present and at work someplace? Well, what we know right now is that the sound of God is not zeal and faithfulness, and it's not our our obedience, and it's not our doings. We know that it's not big numbers, and it's not success, and it's not momentum, and we know it's not passion and excitement and all of Israel watching something happen and demonstrations. We know it's not demonstrations of powers, demonstrations and big confrontations and battles and culture wars and activism and activities. So what we need to know at this point, to hear the sound of God, basically this text is saying, first we have to dismantle what we think it is. First, God has to dismantle our views of thinking, here's where God's present, here's where God's at work, here's how we know that this is a revival and awakening and a movement of God and has the momentum of the Holy Spirit, that God's in it. Here's how. And the first thing that God does in this text is the greatest prophet that ever lived. He had to have his expectations dismantled of what he thought it was. That it's not his zeal and his passion and it's not his obedience and it's not his faithfulness that marks 
God showed up. Uh, It's not spiritual successes or success in the way we would define it with numbers and multitudes and momentum and excitements and passions. It's not spiritual successes and demonstrations of power and challenging um, the unbelief and the injustices of the day. In fact, Dusty Brown says it this way, God often works against our expectations. Signs and wonders and faithfulness and miracles and community, social justice, discipleship are all good things, but they're not the mark of real Christianity. So then what is the mark of real Christianity? What is the sound of God? Look at verse 9. It says, there he came to a cave and lodged in it. The literal translation goes like this. It says, there he came to the cave and lodged in it. So the the question is, well, what is the cave? Well, it's the cave that everybody knew about. It was the most famous cave in the ancient world. It was the most famous cave in all of Israel's history. It was the cave in which God met with Moses. Where this same kind of encounter happened. And it was the same kind of tumultuous realities were happening and and God met Moses in a very unique way. God met Moses in his backside, not his front side. And so we got to struggle with that. Well, what does that mean? What that's another time for another text. But here, here, the second greatest prophet that ever lived encounters God. And it says the text continues in verse nine, and behold, pay attention, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? The first thing to notice about this passage is that everything is moving to the cave. Everything is moving to this place. So starting with 19 in chapter 18 and 19, 19 is pushing us to the cave. Everything is moving to the cave. So you've got to say, what's the text doing? What's this text accomplishing? What's this text working towards, performing, trying to accomplish in your life? And the answer is to take you to the cave. So what is God doing in your life when you read this text? The answer is, taking you to the cave? Well, the answer is, okay, so the question is, how do I know what the meaning of this text is? What is God trying to accomplish? Where is he going? What does he want to do in your life? What does he want to do in my relationships? What does he want to do in a culture? What does he want to do in my home? What does he want to do in a church? What does he want to do in my conflict? What does he want to do with my struggles? The answer in this text is, from the text, take you to the cave. Take you to the cave. The cave. Not to your faithfulness. Not to your zeal. Not even to your prayers. Not to your activism. Not to your movements. Not to your success. Not to power encounters and victories and big demonstrations of power, but to the cave. He wants to take you to the cave. In other words, the sound of God is at the cave. The sound of God is here. God shows up here. This is the mark of real Christianity. This means that God is inviting you and me to this place. He's inviting us. He's inviting Waco. 
He's inviting your marriage. He's inviting your parenting. He's inviting the way you handle money, the way you deal with sex. He's taking you to the cave. He's taking you to this place. So it's kind of like this. It's almost like what happens in our culture, what happens in our church, what happens in our lives, what happens in our relationships, what happens is this, is that something happens like, you know, unprecedented event. And we all ask, where are you, God? And here we got to back up. we got to rewind. Because what God is saying in this text, he's saying, listen, I show up at the cave. This is where real Christianity is, at the cave. That's the backstory. So here's what happens. An unprecedented event happens. Uh, changes in the church happen. Changes in the culture happens. And we go to, um, we go to the Mitchell's house in Lorena. And we go to the Mitchell's house in Lorena and we say, where are you, God? I'm at the Mitchell's house. And God says, I told you I'd meet you at the cave. I told you I'm at work. At the cave. I told you I show up at the cave. And we spend our life going to the Mitchell's house and going to the house of this and to place of that. And we go to the corner of 1st Street and 2nd Street and we go to all these different places and we're demanding God to show up. We're demanding, show up, where are you? And then we try to work a little harder. And so just like the prophets of Baal, he's not showing up at this place so we dance for him a little more. And we throw in our zeal and we throw in our obedience and we throw in more work and more performance. In other words, we keep dancing for God. We keep trying to bring him down to this place. And he says, I'm at the cave. I show up at the cave. And so this morning, maybe, maybe we personally need to ask in your personal life and in your relationship struggles and whatever's going on in terms of Stuff inside of you that's coming out of you and stuff outside of you that's coming at you and even the cultural currents and, and the disruption of friendships and relationships that are going on in the church, in the culture. Are you demanding that God show up where he said he doesn't show up? He says, I'll show up at the cave. Are you demanding that he show up someplace else? Are you demanding he show up in your faithfulness? Are you demanding that he show up in your spiritual successes? Are you demanding that he show up in this and that and this place and that place and wherever you have called it a movement and wherever you've called it a, a just ideology? Are you demanding that he show up there? He says, I show up at the cave. If he said he shows up at the cave, why are we going to the Mitchell's house? So what's the cave? Verse 11, and he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper, the sound of sheer silence. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, pay attention, there came a voice to him. And the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So don't miss this. So the whirlwind passes. 
and God's not in a whirlwind. Uh, the earthquake passes, and God is not in an earthquake. Fire passes. Surely, surely God's in a whirlwind. Didn't he hurl a whirlwind at Jonah? Surely he's in a whirlwind, and he's not in a whirlwind. Surely he's in an earthquake, things shattering, breaking, incredible demonstrations of power, shaking the very foundations of which creation was established. Shaking creation, and he's not in an earthquake. Surely he's in the fire, in the bush that burned but did not burn for Moses, and he's not in the fire. And finally, there was the sound of a low whisper. Finally, a sound of sheer silence. This sound of sheer silence causes Elijah to walk out God shows up. And God is there. And God is at present. And God is at work. And this is real Christianity. God spells it out for us through another prophet this way. He said to me, to this prophet, God said to this prophet, this is the word of the Lord, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Sheer silence, the sheer sound of silence is the power of God's spirit. And it's a spirit of silence. It's a spirit of Moses would hear, he'd say, this is the backside of God. This is the gospel side of God. This isn't the fire side of God. This isn't the, the holiness side of God. This isn't the God coming as judge, the God coming as king. This is the backside of God, God coming as a servant, God coming in humility, God coming in grace, God coming in the sound of sheer silence, completely unexpected. What sound does God make when he's on the move? Sheer silence. How do you know when God is on the move? How do you know when he shows up in your life and he shows up in your relationships and he shows up in your cause and he shows up in your activism and he shows up in your ideology, he shows up in a neighborhood, a community, he shows up in a church. How do you know he shows up in these places? He shows up in your ministry, he shows up in your movement. How do you know the answer? What's the mark of real Christianity? The answer in this text has been building. The answer is by the sound of the gospel. He shows up in the sound of the gospel. He shows up in the sound of grace. He shows up in the sound of, Moses would say, the backside of God. He shows up in the sound of Jesus and his salvation. So he's not showing up in your zeal. He's not showing up in your faithfulness. He's showing up in Jesus' zeal and Jesus' faithfulness. He's not showing up in your numbers, and he's not showing up in our momentums, and he's not showing up in our... Uh, I don't know, our movements. It's basically he shows up in one person. There's only one person left. There's only one ultimate prophet. There's only one savior. He doesn't show up in the, in the success and the victory and the power over our sin. He shows up in his victory, his power, his success over our sin, over our unbelief, over the powers that are arrayed against us. 
One writer puts it this way. He says, the mark of Christianity is the faithful love of God, the good news that Jesus died in our place and by his spirit helps us believe. And so the spirit, the spirit, the sheer sound, the sheer sound of silence, the spirit reaches and renews us by the sound of Jesus and his salvation alone. Well, how do you know, like, where is God at work? He's at work in the sheer silence. The sound of God is the gospel, the good news of Jesus and his salvation. So where is he? Where does he show up? You go to the gospel. You go to the good news of Jesus and his salvation. And the Spirit works through the sound of the gospel to reach you to renew you, to reach your loved ones, renew your loved ones, to reach Waco and renew Waco, to reach a culture and renew a culture that is through the foolishness and the simpleness, the sheer sound of silence, of good news, that God breaks in, God shows up, God reaches, God renews, God's present, God's at work, God acts in your life and other people's lives in places in the world. So do not go out and stand at the entrance of your zeal and your faithfulness. Do not go out. Do not go to a different cave and demand him to show up in the various momentums and movements and successes that you think they are. Uh, Do not go out and rely on the demonstrations of great power. Uh, If you do so, you're only going to hear the sound of self and all the multiplicity of its forms. But do this. This is the word of the Lord. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And the spirit goes wherever Jesus goes. The spirit fills wherever Jesus and his salvation is heard. The Spirit goes, God goes, God shows up, God's on the move. Wherever Jesus and his salvation is heard and proclaimed, wherever the sound of good news is heralded, that's where God's at work. That's where God breaks in. That's where God shows up. So if God says, I show up in the gospel, I show up in the sound of the gospel, Don't go to other places and demand that he show up. Or when you do go to those places, wake up and realize he doesn't show up there. That's not real Christianity. He shows up here in Jesus and his salvation in the sheer sound of grace.